The woman was slender and elegant. In her late twenties, she had burnished russet hair down to her shoulders, eyes the color of soft copper. She wore a long black gown, sling back heels, pearls. Her makeup was a bit garish, theatrical, some might say, but it flattered her delicate features, her loosened skin. When Burns stepped fully into the room, the woman looked his way, as if she had been expecting him, as if he might be a guest for Thanksgiving dinner, some discomfited cousin just in from Allentown, Arashtabula. But he was neither. He was there to arrest her. Can you hear it? The woman asked. Her voice was almost adolescent in its pitch and resonance. Byrne glanced at the crystal CD case resting on a small wooden easel atop the expensive stereo component. Chopin, nocturne in G major. Then he looked more closely at the cello. There was fresh blood on the strings and fingerboard, as well as on the bow lying on the floor. Afterward, she had played. The woman closed her eyes. Listen, she said, the blue notes. Byrne listened. He has never forgotten the melody, the way it both lifted and shattered his heart. Moments later, the music stopped. Byrne waited for the last note to feather into silence. I'm going to need you to stand up now, ma'am, he said. When the woman opened her eyes, Byrne felt something flicker in his chest. In his time on the streets of Philadelphia, he had met all types of people, from soulless drug dealers to oily con men to smashing grab artists to hopped up joyriding kids. But never before had he encountered anyone so detached from the crime they had just committed. In her light brown eyes, Byrne saw demons caper from shadow to shadow. The woman rose, turned to the side, put her hands behind her back. Byrne took out his handcuffs, slipped them over her slender white wrists, and clicked them shut. She turned to face him. They stood in silence now, just a few inches apart, strangers not only to each other, but to this grim pageant and all that was to come. I'm scared, she said. Byrne wanted to tell her that he understood. He wanted to say that we all have moments of rage. Moments when the walls of sanity tremble and crack. He wanted to tell her that she would pay for her crime, probably for the rest of her life, perhaps even with her life, but that while she was in his care, she would be treated with dignity and respect. He did not say these things. My name's Detective Kevin Byrne, he said. It's going to be all right. It was November 1st, 1990. Nothing has been right since. Part One, Allegro. Chapter One, Sunday, October 24th. Can you hear it? Listen closely. There, beneath the clatter of the lane, beneath the ceaseless hum of man and machine, you will hear the sound of the slaughter the screaming of peasants in the moment before death, the plea of an emperor with a sword at his throat. Can you hear it? Step onto hallowed ground, 
where madness has made the soil luxuriant with blood, and you will hear it. Nanjing, Thessaloniki, Warsaw. If you listen closely, you will realize it is always there, never fully silenced, not by prayer, by law, by time. The history of the world and its annals of crime is the slow, sepulchral music of the dead. There. Can you hear it? I hear it. I am the one who walks in shadow, ears tuned to the night. I am the one who hides in rooms where murder is done, rooms that will never again be quieted, each corner now and forever sheltering a whispering ghost. I hear fingernails scratching granite walls, the drip of blood onto scarred tile, the hiss of air drawn into a mortal chest wound.